0: and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides and more. I'm Jason
1: and I'm Abby and this is episode 54 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com/podcast. RV Miles is also on social media. We are over at Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I along with Jack, Ethan and Henry, We are also at OurWanderingFamily.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest.
0: On today's episode, we have a lot going on. So much news. (laughs) A lot of news today. Uh, We've got a listener question. We've got, uh, we're going to spend some time doing a follow-up to our Hiking with Kids episode we're going to do a segment on it's sort of a rundown of safety in the national parks and this is uh this is from an article written by a doctor and an outdoor enthusiast carl newman uh, from kidstraveldoc.com and there's a lot of good tips for taking kids specifically into national parks
1: yeah it'll just be kind of a shorter condensed segment and i think a little bit it was born off which we will talk about in the news a little bit uh bison gate 2018 <laughs> Bison Gate, 2018 a little bit yeah. born off of that we're going to talk about that guy here shortly so we're going to do that then we also realized we have never done an entire segment on the quad cities So
0: the Quad Cities is my hometown where I grew up. This is an area right off I-80 on the Iowa-Illinois border, right on the Mississippi River. And uh, it's a great area, uh, especially for a stopover as you're traveling along I-80. So we want to give you some, we talked about it a little bit way back when on episode eight, the Great River Road episode, uh, but it was just a little highlight on, on our, Sort of journey and we're here right now in the quad cities we're about to leave tomorrow we
1: leave tomorrow we had our
0: little stint in in up near chicago and in, in southern wisconsin
1: in uh, waukesha
0: between the last episode and this one and we're just overnighting here and then we're heading back to kansas city for a night and then we're making our way to oklahoma city again
1: we're coming back for you just for a couple weeks oklahoma
0: we really loved oklahoma city and i'm looking well, forward to getting back there for a little bit.
1: I'm looking forward to those tacos.
0: So that's everything we've got coming up, including a new brain teaser and the answer to last week's one. Uh, So let's get to the news. But before we do, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean.
1: It sure is. And L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. That's why they design products that make it easier to take longer walks, have deeper talks and never worry about the weather. Discover clothing, outerwear, footwear, and gear made for every type of adventure with the outside built right in. Because on the inside, we're all outsiders. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean.
0: Let me just say, if you go to an L.L. Bean store.
1: You'll never leave no, because you like, just want no, to be there is, for hours. <laughs> if you,
0: You can literally buy anything clothing-wise in that store and look like you fell out of a catalog. Yes, like you can mix and match it, and it all—it's amazing. For some reason, it all goes <laughs> together perfectly. It's all really cool, and you know what I love about it is it doesn't make you like look like you're trying too hard. But it's all really just well tailored, styled. I love LLB.
1: I wonder if they have people that actually work for LLB and Jason that think about that. Designers, I maybe pro- individuals that. They, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying it was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> like they just woke up and product was I'm there. I'm saying they're good at it. They've that's been around awful. for over a hundred years. I think yeah. they've probably got a lock on what they're doing. But, I lo- but
0: seriously, like the, it's not showboaty stuff. I, that's what no, no, I no, really no. love about Because so much of the outdoor stuff is like.
1: It's made for everyday life. It's made for adventuring in your hometown or it's made for adventuring in the back countries yeah. of a national park. It's fantastic. But you
0: still look like a fashion model wearing it but not like I know I do, uh, you know.
1: (laughs) It's amazing. I just transform.
0: Anyway, (laughs) let's do the news. Uh, First of all, we have a new episode of the America's National Parks podcast out. This one is called Ballads of Big Ben. And this is about a guy named Victor Valdez, who used to sing across the border, the the Rio Grande River or the Rio Grande we had Grande. a lot of arguments about whether we should say Rio Grande or Rio Grande because you know americanized it's Rio Grande and it shouldn't be uh but but Mexicans actually don't call it the Rio Grande they have a totally different name for it
1: yes anyway um, let me just say we didn't argue about it dear. we just we had we had, we had discussion. lively, lively discussions yeah,
0: that's, that's what that's what they call it these days right
1: <laughs> lively discussion which i ended up i ended up sort of I don't want to say winning, but Uh I I will. I ended up winning because I said, well, they call it a grande at Starbucks.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, If we we who speak English are willing to call a a, a Starbucks drink a grande, (laughs) why aren't we willing to say that when we pronounce the Rio Grande River? I don't know. But then I felt weird because then I was like, do I say Mexico or Mexico?
1: We just have to pick what sounds the most natural. Yes. And we needed it to sound very natural. And it was a great story to, it was very lighthearted. I enjoyed it lighthearted in a way that we've had maybe a couple past episodes recently that have been pretty, you know, tragic. And this one was sort of just born out of, there was complications obviously after 9-11 and things got really tough in that area in regards to border crossing. But then the way that they were able to see the value of having these two countries cooperate there. It's, it just it's, was it's really nice. It's a little nice. town,
0: Bo- Boquias. It's a little town that's essentially attached to Big Bend National Park in Mexico. On the Mexico side, there's nothing around. The nearest town to it's it like is... It's
1: like 30 miles. No, the
0: nearest town is 150 miles away from it. Because they used to get their gas and everything from the American side.
1: Yeah, that's true. They went grocery store shopping.
0: Yeah. So... It's it was kind of inextricably linked, and that was taken away when the border crossing was shut down. It was an informal border crossing; it wasn't a real border crossing.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, but legit people went or back and forth, and even yeah.
0: rangers encouraged it. And when it shut down, that town really was decimated. And Victor sang for tips across the river, and his voice just sort of echoed through the canyon.
1: Yeah, and, we have a clip of him singing yeah. in the podcast, and I had actually never heard him prior to when I sat down to listen after you had done the editing and I always listen before we publish and I was so surprised. I didn't expect such a a beautiful, strong voice. I expected a voice that was going to be enjoyable to listen to, but this was something that I would watch someone on stage and feel that they had quality and talent and and know how. Yeah. And
0: without amplification, just like I mean, there's something about the voice being carried across the border. Oh, I know. Speaking it's, to the, you know. It's very the, romantic. The social construct of borders and all that. It's really cool. And then eventually the United States opened up a a border crossing there. At and this point, the,
1: nobody needs to listen to the podcast because we've
0: just done,
1: we just recapped the whole thing. You
0: can hear all the details <laughs> over at nationalparkpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. In uh, RV industry news, Airstream has come out with a new digital suite that is connected to their new models called Airstream Smart Control Technology. And what this is, is it's an app that you can use on your smartphone or from anywhere. And you can control and monitor systems and amenities in your RV, like lighting, HVAC, your awning, your vent fans, your water, propane, and battery levels. All of it can be monitored remotely with, with an app. It does require a data plan. So you do have to pay for a data plan, but that data plan also is packaged in a Wi-Fi router in the RV that broadcasts that signal. So you get your un- unlimited data broadcast through through your RV and You can use that and it can also, it also can Wi-Fi boost, campground Wi-Fi, and then wherever you are, you can just sort of, you know, check on your dogs or, you know, see make sure it's still cool enough in there for them, that sort of stuff. I think it's really cool.
1: So short story long, what you're saying is, is this thing is really tricked out.
0: Yeah. And well, what I'm also saying is like really expensive Airstreams just got more expensive. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. All right. All right. So let's talk about this guy bison gate taunted a bison the video is just ridiculous
1: yeah i uh, mean it's
0: yellowstone national park
1: if you haven't seen it already we'll link to it in the show notes and you have to watch it it is just it's infuriating it's unbelievable it's a whole host of things it's interesting though too because post video this has really opened up a lot of discussion about the way we interact with wildlife in the parks, especially in areas where there are roads or they seem to be a little bit more modernized or there are more people, but the wildlife is still obviously that is still their home and they're roaming and how we deal with that. What are what are proper boundaries? This man had no boundaries. This man was I can't say the word I want to say on the podcast, but it's a it's pretty infuriating to watch. And he was caught.
0: Yeah. So it turned out that there were some other incidents at other national he parks. He has a
1: record. Like,
0: <laughs> and then he was arrested at, a, he was touring several national parks, was arrested at another national park and is, and is going to face prosecution for what he was doing. I mean, he was holding up traffic and that animal really could have hurt him very badly. It yeah. charged at him. It did. But it was kind of like, it knew what it was doing and was like charged at him and stopped right in front of him just to, it was kind of taunting him back.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of was like, you want to go, we'll go. But some of this man's past charges as well lead you to perhaps think that there might be, you know, a little bit of instability yeah. going on. There's been issues with, I think there was some drunken disorderly conduct in a campground, things of that yeah, nature. I so, wouldn't
0: be surprised if there was alcohol involved in this, Situation from possibly. the video,
1: possibly. I just hope that whatever his plan of action is moving forward, that he's able to receive whatever necessary help he has, and that he leaves Bison alone because those things are massive, and the next one might kill him.
0: And then there was another uh, national park story out of Zion, where some visitors, some where some hikers were had to be rescued after mocking the rangers that were telling them, you know, that they needed to have repelling gear for, for the, the subway hike.
1: You can't see me, but I'm just, I'm shaking my head back and forth because this was a situation in which the injury never should have happened. You know, they were going on a trail where a log that is used to cross over a, a ditch or a large Canyon or something of that nature.
0: I'm looking at it right now. It's a big Canyon gap. I mean, it's a,
1: I think it was a six to seven foot jump. Yeah, and the log was gone; it had been washed and the away.
0: The rangers told him this when they when yeah the rangers told this group this when they were filling out their permits to go uh you know do this backcountry hike, and they were like, no, no, we don't. Nah, need dude, it. We no, dude, we got this. We got yeah. it. We're gonna cross the log, and the rangers like, the log's been washed away. I don't know how many more said, times oh, well, I have to we'll, say it. We'll just it. <laughs> jump. We're gonna be fine. And he said, "No, you need repelling gear to get down." And, uh, and they, you know, they mocked him and taunted him and, or her, I don't know who the ranger was. And then they went on it anyway. And the first person to try to jump across this big ravine, of course, didn't make it.
1: No, smacked their knee pretty hard. Smacked <laughs> up their knee. Karma. be
0: airlifted out via helicopter. So, so, you know, listen, this is one of the things that it was actually in. This stuff we're going to talk about later about about uh, safety in the national parks with kids was, you know, check in at the visitor center, listen to the rangers, you know, kind of do what they say and follow the signs. And and they say, don't go near the animals. Don't go near the animals.
1: And I know that in the past we have said. We've checked in with rangers for a hike and they've told us, you know, three miles and or you can do it in three and a half hours. And then it's ended up being a five, five and a half hour hike. This is a completely different situation. This is where a ranger is saying this is an unsafe hike in order to do this. Now, what you thought was there is not there. You need to do X, Y, Z. And that is when you listen You do what needs to be done to keep you and your party safe. I don't care if you've been on the trail 150 times. If the ranger says that's not there anymore and this is what you need to do. It's a hassle. I know repelling down, that's going to be a hassle. It's going to be a time suck, but you just do it anyway or you go on a different hike. Because what happened was now a whole lot of money was spent to airlift your butt out of Zion. So, you know. Hopefully, you'll get a bill for that. I don't know. I don't know how that whole thing works.
0: In some positive national park news, I don't know how positive it is uh, because the wildfires are still raging in California. There are 14,000 firefighters fighting these fires, but the Yosemite Valley will reopen to visitors on Tuesday, August 14th.
1: It's been closed for at least two, almost three weeks, I think.
0: Yeah. But the air quality is, you know, pretty terrible out there. There's, it's, a lot of smoke and uh, a lot of these firefighters are working hard. Some have died. Some have lost their homes. There are, I guess, one third of the available firefighters in the country are in California fighting fires.
1: That's incredible. It's really the best policy is that if you don't have to go that way, just don't. Yosemite Valley will be there later. Just stay out of the area if you can and, and reschedule. And, and there are
0: plenty of other places in California to go. Don't stay away from California. There are things you can do. There are places you can go. Just sort of check with people that live there. Check with, you know, news sources and figure out what's worth visiting now away from fires. One final piece of news. I thought this was really cool and somewhat RV tangential. Yeah. <laughs> the show American Pickers, which is actually uh, based in LeClaire, Iowa, near where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, If you haven't seen it, American Pickers, they go around in a van and go to people's, you know, houses where they've collected all kinds of junk and, and find hidden gems and then buy them from them.
1: One man's junk is another man's treasure.
0: So they were up in Chesterfield, Massachusetts, and they found a green 1964 International Harvester Metro van, which was Aerosmith's tour van. When they first started out
1: that's so amazing and it's cool. got
0: it's got the hand-painted aerosmith logo like totally different than the aerosmith logo you might know now painted on the side i just think it was really cool and man it would make the best rv conversion
1: so was, good <laughs> yeah it would van life all the they, way i'm
0: guessing you know because this was early on i'm guessing they slept in it some and they might have used it a bit as an rv but maybe I'm- not
1: guessing they probably had a few nights in the van yeah
0: and uh they paid $25,000 for it I mean this thing was I mean it was in the woods and in pretty rugged shape
1: did Uh, this person know what they had
0: yeah because it says Aerosmith on the side of it well why were they
1: just letting it uh, sit in the woods well
0: this guy he knew it was there and wanted to show him it and and he had bought the property from somebody who had some tangential uh connection with Aerosmith and they were able to go and confirm it was theirs even though Obviously it says Aerosmith on the side could have been painted by a fan or something, but, uh, I just thought it was really cool. So we'll link a video, a little short video to them finding that in the show notes as well. So this week we have a gear tip. This gear tip is a little bit different, uh, because we got a listener letter that I wanted to respond to a grant from Canada. Wrote us inquiring about GPS units. He said, I had an old Rand McNally 7710 that got damaged, and I'd like to find a replacement for this. Looking for something faster and more precise, and just looking for a little direction. Grant, we don't use an RV GPS. We've played around with them a little bit. Um, I do get what I need mostly out of Google Maps, and I have been playing around with that in route app that I. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago and I'm really liking it. But if you do want an RV GPS and I can definitely see the appeal and I kind of want one too, uh, because they're cool because you put in your length and width and height and they try to avoid certain roads and bridges and stuff like that. They're not always 100%. So some people get mad at them a little bit. They don't (laughs) work. I mean, you know, it's not. A magic genie that's guiding you on your route. It is a computer, and it can only do the best it can do.
1: Wouldn't that be nice, though, to have a magic <laughs> genie guiding you on your route? But
0: they do re- work fairly well. And the best reviewed RV GPS out there right now is the Garmin Seven Seventy LMT uh, RV, and it didn't come out that long ago. Uh, but like I said, we don't have experience with it, but the reviews are are very good, and you should be able to get it in Canada. The reviews of the Garmin units in general seem to be way better than the Rand McNally units, which is sad because I kind of wanted that one, that Rand McNally that's also a tablet, but the reviews seem to be a lot better for, for the Garmin units. So we'll link to that uh, in the show notes as well. And we've seen a lot of people on Facebook saying they really like theirs too.
1: So that's Jason's gear tip of the week.
0: That's the gear tip of the week. All right.
1: Boom, boom, boom. Tip of the week. <laughs> I'm sure that's never going to get old, that we keep doing that. <laughs> never.
0: All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have the answer to last week's Brain Teaser, and we're going to get into some family safety in national parks.
1: Be right back.
0: Okay, we're back with the answer to last week's Brain Teaser, which went a little bit like this.
1: A little bit or a lot. Or
0: a lot. Or a lot. Or exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah, 100% just like this.
0: Not left, nor right, nor up, nor down. But in between, I hunt for the crown. On one shade alone, I run my course and my worths roughly that of a horse. What am I?
1: What are you, Jason?
0: The answer is a bishop in chess. The musical? No. Well, I mean, I suppose. (laughs) Maybe. That as well.
1: Sorry. When you say chess, I don't think the game. I think the musical. And then I just. You know,
0: the musical is about the game, right? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So because a bishop doesn't go, it goes on the angles, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. go up or down. Uh, It hunts for the crown, which would be the king or the queen. On one shade alone, they run their course. So one bishop is always on the white, one bishop is always in the black. Oh,
1: that's a good one. And
0: my worth is roughly that as a horse. So they're they're worth about the same as a knight.
1: That's a really good bishop. one. That was cute. One.
0: Yeah. Our winner this week, and I will say I did good with this one. I didn't have that many right answers.
1: No, you did good. This
0: my one. winner this week is Jeff Samuelson from Texas. And Jeff will be getting a not all who wander our lost t-shirt. And we'll have the new brain teaser at the end of the show. So now it is time to sort of continue our our hiking with kids a little bit and talk about some health and safety tips for taking kids into national parks. But before we do, this segment is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel. Connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts, that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondocker's welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound.
1: And we had to go back to the original way we read this because it just blew Jason's mind last week. So for only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV life. (laughs) Oh
0: yeah, whose mind is it blowing now? Whose (laughs) mind is it blowing now?
1: Oh, I was, I was in a groove too. Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners ten percent off an annual guest subscription pass. That's one year for thirty dollars, ten percent off with the coupon code. RV Miles, that's all one word. Head over to boondockerswelcome.com to get started today. We'll provide a link in the show notes, however. And again, 10% off an annual guest subscription with the coupon code RV miles over at our friends at boondockerswelcome.com.
0: It is so worth it, you guys. It's so much better than staying at a Walmart.
1: It is so much better.
0: (laughs) It really is.
1: No shades in Walmart. Thank you for offering a place for people to pass oh, yeah. a night the if need to be. The issue with
0: Walmart is the other people at Walmart, not people Walmart of Walmart dot com.
1: If you've never been to people of Walmart dot com, I just gave you your next you're, like deep you're dive. you Yes. <laughs> no, it's great. They're so nice too. As we've gotten to know them a little bit more, I just I really like them as people, and I like their mission statement an awful lot. And I don't think you can beat thirty dollars for a year.
0: And you're talking about Boondockers Welcome, not Walmart, right? <laughs>
1: A million times over. Yes. Hey, I've met some nice people in Walmart too, but I am specifically talking about Boondockers. Welcome.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's talk about health and safety in the national parks. So this article is, um, it's written by Dr. Carl Newman, and uh, we're going to link to this in the show notes. We're not going to go through all of these. Uh, We're going to let you go to his site and check it out and give him the clicks in the visit because uh because I think it's really worthwhile a lot of some of the stuff we covered a little bit on our hiking with kids episode but there were some new things in here with that we just kept thinking oh we should have said that we should have said that and um and, now we're gonna say it we're gonna say it
1: yeah so why don't you go ahead and do that first one
0: so the first one is is go prepared and obviously being prepared is important uh on any sort of hike the thing that Dr. Newman is mentioning here is is really pointing out that the ranger stations and the visitor center and the park websites are just flowing with information. So any sort of hike that you want to do or any just sort of area that you're going to visit in a national park, go on their website, check out the information because they always explain all the details. When's the best time to visit? How to get there? Are you going to have issues parking? What are some of the safety concerns? Is this good for little ones? That sort of stuff. That's always available to you. So make sure you go find that.
1: Yeah. And another one that caught my eye when I was looking through this is we talked a lot in that hiking with kids episode about how our kids have backpacks, how we highly recommend backpacks. And one thing I wanted to add to that, and Dr. Newman says it in here as well, is that your kid's backpack should never exceed 10%. Of your child's body weight, so if you have a child that weighs fifty pounds, you don't want the pack to weigh any more than five pounds. Yeah,
0: and that that's partially for their their aches and pains and stuff, but also I think a lot for their balance. He also mentions that uh, the long straps that might be on a small child's backpack could get low enough that they could trip them up. So you want to be careful about those things. And like we said, we really love having backpacks for our kids because it sort of gets them in that mindset that they have their own stuff. And it uh, it gives them some personality for the hike. And And it's less
1: that we have to carry too. So it's less aches and pains for us at the end of the night as well. And another great point that he makes in regards to knowing your family's limitations. Yeah, we
0: talked about limitations a lot. Absolutely. On on ours and figuring out what your limitations are and not being afraid to stop and turn around stuff.
1: One of he goes a little bit further with that in a more medical arena. And he says that a four year old should be able to handle a one mile hike with a 30 minute rest and then the mile hike back. He also goes to say that a six year old could do two to three miles one way and then two to three miles back. I think it's nice sometimes to have. Those kind of guidelines that when you go to look at a trail, just to have, again, every child is different and every child can handle the trail differently. And this is where you need to know your limitations. But if you have just a general idea, at least you have something to base it off of. So next time we go out, I can kind of know that when Ethan, our eight year old, hits that half mile mark and he (laughs) says he's done maybe he can go a little bit further and yeah. i can encourage that of him and
0: at the same time if you're really trying to push it you need to think about how far can you carry your child yeah. you know
1: how far can you carry them <laughs> back really out of this trail it,
0: think about am i going to be able to carry my child when they're just not going to walk anymore
1: yeah, cause I don't <laughs> want to carry Henry anymore. I gave away the Ergo earlier this year, so I don't actually have a way to carry him unless it's with my arms. or we buy one of those preschool child carriers, which I really want uh,
0: obviously, we we talked about this earlier, keeping a distance from from small from from large animals uh, that small animals too really you need to keep a distance from. Uh, but yeah,
1: snakes are small. Keep a distance <laughs> from them.
0: Definitely 100 yards, 90 meters from bears and wolves, and at least 25 yards from all other large animals like bison, elk, bighorn sheep, deer, moose, coyote. We, there have been some serious issues with elk in particular. I saw another video. Is of, this
1: the one of the woman? Of the
0: woman, yeah. an elk, Man. Man, an elk slammed into this woman and threw her 20 feet.
1: Yeah, it did. She's really lucky. She was able to pop back up. She wasn't yeah, really hurt. Yeah. But you can hear her saying, I just wanted a picture.
0: Yeah. Huh? And people were warning her. People were yelling, Ma'am, at her, you you're need to get back. Close. But she did it anyway. So
1: it was a little America's funniest home videos just because she was okay. And yeah. at the same time, just a little surprising that she was that brave.
0: But did you know that
1: cars,
0: not animals, are the chief cause of the most serious mishaps in national parks. Because you've got people sort of walking on the edges of their roads, and then you've got drivers that are just, you know, driving by some of the beautiful sights and the animals with their mouth agape, not paying attention to what they're doing. And there are a lot of issues with cars hitting people and getting too close and, and that sort of stuff.
1: So that just makes me think about the traffic in and around the visitor center and campground at Zion and how that is a very busy area, both with traffic and also with foot traffic. And that was always a little bit of a concern with me when we were walking from our campground or our campsite to the visitor center. And there were a lot of cars going around the loops, going into the park. The park entrance is just right there. Then everyone's trying to drive all around the parking lot thinking they're going to find that one special parking spot that nobody else found in the potential. I mean, how many times did we almost have a car just flip around the corner and we were crossing the crosswalk and, you know, yeah. have yeah. a situation.
0: And it's not just when you're walking as well. You got to be, if you're driving in your car. You got to be paying attention to that person who's driving in front of you because they may slam on their brakes at any time for an animal crossing the road or something like that, or they might just not be paying attention to what they're doing, looking at, you know, the first time they see something really cool in their life and they're driving a car, it can cause some problems.
1: And I think to wrap it up, because this was going to be a really short segment, because it's just a little tack on to our previous podcast episode one of the things Dr. Newman talks about in here and to be honest I never really thought a whole lot about it but to be very mindful of altitude sickness
0: yeah this was a huge eye opener for me because it talks about the fact that your children don't really know what altitude sickness is they've never felt it before they they might be getting cranky the irritability angry.
1: That was a huge red flag for me. I have experienced altitude sickness myself and I got cranky, but it was because I had these other symptoms going on and I was not feeling so hot and we were stuck up in this mountain. I never thought about the times though that we've had some really, there were a few times on that last Southwest leg where the kids were incredibly irritable and you and I could not quite figure out, is this a growth spurt? Are we just doing too much? Yeah. It's quite possible, quite possible they were experiencing some altitude sickness. Because our kids have
0: never been that high in their
1: life no, before. No, never. Especially when we were up in yeah. the Las Vegas area, yeah. dropping down 5,000 feet to go into the valley and then coming back up. So Real s- eye
0: opener. So symptoms of altitude sickness include headaches loss of appetite, nausea, inability to sleep, shortness of breath with exercise, and in young children, irritability, probably because they don't like all that other stuff. Uh, generally, it's not something that requires treatment, but it's just something that you want to be aware of because you don't want to be putting your kids through that. They just usually just need some, some rest and the symptoms disappear in a day or two if they're mild. But if your child has significant heart or lung problems, they they should be cleared before they go up to higher elevations from a doctor.
1: Yeah, this one has really stuck with me. And as we head out for this next leg of our trip where we're going to be experiencing some altitude changes again, I'm I'm really going to watch the boys to see if I see some of this stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's that. Let's That's take a break. that. And when we come back, the Quad Cities.
1: You finally get your moment. My moment in the sun. Yes. After a year of podcasting, we're bringing it home we, we, to Jason's hometown. <laughs> we
0: have talked about it like, you know, in little oh, yeah. bits on lots of episodes, but yeah, <laughs> this will be a good overview Um, and I think you'll really enjoy it. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back.
1: We're back to talk about the QC.
0: As I said before, the Quad Cities is the area that I grew up in. And what the Quad Cities are. Are
1: five cities.
0: Is an area.
1: (laughs) Sorry, did I just give away your.
0: (laughs) It's a group of five cities. (laughs) Not four. It used to be four. It's Rock Island and Moline, Illinois and Davenport and Bettendorf, Iowa, which are both across the river from each other, across the Mississippi River. And East Moline was added in at some point.
1: That's because East Moline did not want to be left out of the party. (laughs) I'll tell you where Jason's parents live. I don't know why it's not included. They live in Milan, Illinois. That is not to be confused, however, with Milan. Now I know they're going (laughs) to, I know they're spelled exactly the same, but in America, we say Milan.
0: Yeah. Well, this goes back to the whole Mexico. Rio. <laughs> Mexico thing. Yeah. See? Right. <laughs> Grande. Full grand. circle.
1: Full, full circle.
0: It's Milan, Illinois. Uh, it is just, it's sort of a part of the same uh, municipality. It's the sixth as, part of as, the quad. Yeah. <laughs> as Rock Island. And um, it's a river town area. And I love my river towns. And th- at this, at this point of the Mississippi, the river actually flows east to west uh which confuses a lot of people like you had north to go across the border into Iowa from Illinois but the river flows east to west here and uh it is full of a lot of sort of river town history a lot of cool historic homes and facilities and and just a lot of neat fun stuff and some some modern stuff too so i just want to take you through a few of some of the cool there are to do here, and like I said, this is right on Interstate 80, so it's an excellent stopover area. And there are a bunch of campgrounds all around, sort of the outskirts.
1: There's an Army Corps of Engineers campground not too far.
0: It's from it's where we just are right, right now. outside of Davenport, mm-hmm. um, um, just two miles from where we're sitting right now. So the first thing I want to mention is the Rock Island Arsenal. The Rock Island Arsenal is a working military base and what is really cool about it is that it's a very historic military base It goes all the way back to the civil war when it was a prison where the the union kept confederate prisoners so there are, it, it's full of all these old prison barracks and then there is a museum on site where you can go through and and see a lot of the history of the area and of the the base itself.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. I will definitely give you that. And I feel that people in the Quad Cities, Jason, his family, they're all very proud of this Rock Island arsenal. It is such a, for me, when we visit, it's such a very visceral memory because my first introduction to the Quad Cities, I was brought here, and Jason was introducing me to his parents and The very first thing we did is we all hopped in the car and they took me on a tour of the Quad Cities. They wanted to show off the city to me, the cities, and we drove through the Arsenal. And that was like the one of the very first places we went to. That was one of the very first places that people wanted to introduce me to. And I think it's a great first stop when you get to know the Quad Cities. It was nice for me to see this Really interesting piece of history that is dated 150, 160 years ago, and how it has tied into this particular community since then. It's still a working yeah, base; it still
0: employs a lot of people. And my my grandfather was I would be remiss if I didn't say uh, was a fire chief on on the Arsenal base, um, and and my grandmother worked on the Arsenal as well. It's big employer for the area. Also, when you travel to, when you get to get to the Arsenal from the Davenport side, you cross um, what we call here, the government bridge. Uh, and it is an old train bridge that is, it's in the same location. It's not the same bridge, but it's almost as old. They're used to the first bridge that was put there in that spot. And they're sort of like, it's a draw, it's a turning drawbridge. So it doesn't go up and down but there's a big section of the bridge that turns to allow boats through. This bridge was really fought against by the riverboats who traveled people and goods up and down the river because they saw trains and trains go over the top of the bridge and cars go on the second level.
1: It's kind of creepy. They
0: saw trains <laughs> as competition. So a riverboat captain drove into the bridge on purpose
1: to, man's got to do what a man's got to gotta do. to
0: damage it. And there was a big court case trying to get trying to get it stopped. And that court case was fought and won by a young lawyer named Abraham Lincoln.
1: And Who? that's I'm what sorry, put him know. into
0: that's what started really his fame in the state of Illinois.
1: Oh, Abe. Honest oh, oh, Abe. Honest Abe. Honest Abe.
0: So, that's a really cool thing to see near the near the government bridge. Um, is, is on the Davenport side, is the village of East Davenport. And this is an area where a lot of the well-to-do people lived when this when this area was was really booming. And they're just historic mansion after historic mansion after historic mansion. Yeah, you if, can just drive through the neighborhood and see them all.
1: If you enjoy driving through old historic neighborhoods, which is something I actually really like to do, this is your place. Yeah. I every time we come here, I always say, oh, I want to take a drive over to East Davenport and just drive through the neighborhoods. They're beautiful. They're right up on the Mississippi River. I would love someday to own a home like that and restore it. They're gorgeous. It's a nice little Sunday afternoon drive. And there's also a small little town of East Davenport that's got some historic little shops or just some small local shops with some great little restaurants. There's a couple restaurants we've been to over there that we enjoy. It makes for a really nice afternoon, I think, to head over there, shop local, and then just drive through the beautiful historic district.
0: Some of those people that lived in the village of East Davenport were sort of well-to-do because of the farming and manufacturing industry here. And a lot of that came from companies that built tractors. And those were International Harvester, Farmall, and John Deere. And I've had so many family members that have worked for those companies over the years. Two of them are gone. John Deere, of course, still remains as a major, not only tractor manufacturer, but uh, a manufacturer of all kinds of different implements for construction and farming. And their international headquarters is Moline, Illinois on the Illinois side of the Quad Cities. And you can go downtown Moline to this place that they call the John Deere Commons, where they have sort of a whole bunch of different tractors and combines and farm implements that kids can get up on and go play on. Uh, And you can just tour and see all these big, really neat pieces of farm machinery.
1: It's a very cool museum. You can pass probably easily pass a couple hours in there. They've got some interactive videos where you can sit down and drive the tractor. You can try and and use their GPS and kind of see what it's like to be out there on the farm. They've got a little kids section where there's all different activities for the children. But really the main draw is the fact that you can climb up into these massive machines and get in there, push all the buttons and The kids, they just, they love this place. I don't know that they will ever tire of it. It's almost every single time we come here, we go to the John Deere Commons and we let the kids play for a while because, and I will absolutely recommend this, across the street from the John Deere Commons is a restaurant called The River House. We go there pretty much every single time we visit. They have fantastic food, really good beer selection,
0: just affordable,
1: very affordable, they've great got, kids' menu. They've it's, got my we the, love that. The
0: important thing to me in the Midwest this is something that not a lot of people I know, where this is going. know about elsewhere is the breaded pork tenderloin sandwich. <laughs> it's for some, it's a big deal in Indiana, and for some reason, there aren't a lot of places to get it in Chicago. So I went a lot of years not being able to get it in Chicago, he but went the rest so- of Illinois you can get them all over the place, and they're a big Midwestern thing, and it's a flattened bread breaded pork tenderloin sandwich. And they're very good at Riverhouse.
1: Jason loves his pork tenderloin so much that he's part of a Facebook group dedicated (laughs) to the pork tenderloin where people just share pictures of pork tenderloin. I had to get
0: out of that group. It was getting too, I mean, there was more drama in that group (laughs) than any other group I've ever been in. Had to get out of it too much. Big bun, little
1: bun, pickle, no pickle. It gets real, I know everybody gets real sensitive when they talk about their pork tenderloin. Yeah, they have great food there absolutely stop by. I will say there is a lot of really good food to be found here on the Quad Cities. And in the decade that I have been getting to know this area as I have become one with the Quad Cities, the food options here, they're really solid. I just had some pad thai the other day that is probably the best pad thai I've had since we left Chicago two years ago rivals my little pad thai restaurant down the street from my, our old sticks and brooks my
0: favorite chinese restaurant we lived, uh, know, lived we lived in right. an asian area for years and in, in chicago we
1: lived in like little vietnam
0: my favorite chinese restaurant is still a little chinese restaurant in shanghai here in milan illinois just right down the hill but the quad cities is really known for their pizza
1: so you can understand why the Eppersons <laughs> feel really comfortable in this city.
0: It's, so there is a place called Harris Pizza where the Quad City style pizza originated. And the story goes that the the woman who opened the restaurant or, or who created the recipe had never actually eaten a pizza before.
1: That is, I feel so bad for her. Like, how can you go your whole uh, into your adult well, life and never have had a pizza? I don't
0: think pizza was quite as big, you know, back in like the fifties as it is now. But that's put, no excuse. They put, they put malt into the crust and and the crust is like chewy. And the toppings are, there's a ton of them and they're all under the cheese entirely. So it's like. Every bite is just full of topping.
1: It really throws Henry off when I hand him, his, because Henry only eats pepperoni pizza at this point. So when I hand him a Quad City style pizza, it really confuses him. And he does not believe me that there is pepperoni on the pizza. <laughs> so he has to pull the whole thing off and look for himself because he's five and he knows everything and I know nothing. So he has to see for himself every single time he gets a slice of quad city pizza.
0: And most people get, you know, he's usually sort of one topping pizzas. You know, it's not all about the the gourmet 17 different toppings type stuff. You know, you get a sausage pizza, you get a pepperoni pizza and and they're just the flavor I'm telling you is unbelievable. It's very good. It's really good.
1: I don't like sausage pizza, but I like sausage pizza from Harris or TC's. Yeah, I'm gonna so, shout it out to TC's in Milan because we've eaten there like twice there, in the last month. There
0: are a lot of Harris copies, and um, and in fact, there's one in Chicago now. Mm-hmm. But, uh,
1: but with Chicago prices, but we actually
0: like <laughs> TC's in Milan. It's it's fairly it's fairly affordable and actually the pizza is a little bit better than Harris. I think
1: just might be. And my point with just a little bit. My point with the sausage was, was I don't like sausage because I don't like big fat chunks of sausage on my pizza. And here it's like, it's almost like ground beef. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's ground sausage. Yeah. So it's
1: it's smaller pieces. I don't get a lot of that celery seed. I don't like the celery seed and sausage that I don't know. There's just something about it that grosses me out. I could exclusively just eat the sausage pizzas here and I'm a pepperoni girl through and through. I would be completely content if I only got a sausage pizza here. Yeah. yeah, It's that good. And that makes your heart sing because I you are, I know. And you have always compromised. This is marriage I, compromising I always, here. You I, do. I, you is, compromise. You, yeah. You've made a real sacrifice for us, Jason. <laughs> Every time we go out to have pizza, you sacrifice for your family by eating the pepperoni and not ordering a sausage. It's rough.
0: It's rough.
1: Thanks for your sacrifice, Jason.
0: <laughs> we also want to mention there are some good museums around this area. Uh, the Figgy Art Museum is in downtown Davenport. And it's it's got some great, uh, what I really love about it is it's got some great works of the West. So it's got some wonderful paintings of of sort of those Southwestern landscapes and cowboy art and and all that sort of stuff is really cool. But then it also has some of the Grant Wood originals.
1: Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. And they have a really nice children's section and going on right now, they have this beautiful where the wild things are exhibit at the museum up in the children's center. It is so delightful They have a replica of the boat you can get into and the tent and you can see some of the early drawings and really, I thoroughly enjoyed it probably a little bit more than the kids did. And here in the Quad Cities, they do have, they do have theater and art. They have the Quad City Ballet or Ballet Quad City, I should say. And over the summer, they were doing a story time that we took Ethan and Henry to with my mother-in-law and the Quad City Ballet, there was a dancer there who read a story. And then all the children got to come on stage there at the auditorium inside the Figgy Museum and then reenact the story through dance and music. Completely free program. You cannot get a completely free program like that in Chicago. Happened all through the summer. I loved it. Ethan talked about it and is still talking about it. It's been a couple weeks since he's been there. He's still talking about it.
0: There's also the Putnam Museum, which we just went to, which is a sort of uh, half science technology, half uh, natural history and sort of history of this area as well, which is kind of cool that we really enjoyed visiting uh, because even though it's sort of a small museum.
1: uh, It still had a lot going for it. You can pass a nice afternoon as a family we have an article up on ourwanderingfamily.com that's the 10 must-dos in the Quad Cities. We'll link to it because it does have all of the museum options, a couple other ice cream places and just fun things for families to do when they're here in the Quad Cities. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's so much more that we don't have time to talk about. Lago Marcino's is one of the places that is in that article. It is it is a very very old soda fountain in downtown that you just cannot miss. Go there and have a grilled cheese and and a, a you know, ice, ice cream treat of your choice. Uh, but, I will
1: also really <laughs> quick before we wrap this up, I got to say two things. I think I would be remiss if I did not speak about coffee for like five seconds. Yeah. So there's a great place called Milltown Coffee, which I have been enjoying as we have been visiting because there is no Starbucks. Really in the Quad Cities area, at least in this there's, area yeah. that we there's like there's one like or two in store kinds. There's yeah, like there's one the, at Target, the Target and there's one drive through, and then I'd always yeah. have to go over to Davenport. However, the Hy-Vee <laughs> just down the hill from his parents, they just got a Starbucks. It's fantastic. I can walk to it. However, skip the Starbucks when you're here. Go over to Milltown Coffee. Great environment, great coffee. It's right on the river. Highly recommend. Tell them Abby sent you. They'll have no idea who you're talking about. (laughs) All
0: right, let's wrap this episode up with the new brain teaser. I sizzle like bacon. I'm made with an egg. I have plenty of backbone, but not a good leg. I peel layers like an onion, but still remain whole. I can be long like a flagpole, yet I fit in a hole. What am I?
1: You lost me at bacon. <laughs> I'm still back on bacon because I want it to be bacon, but it's not.
0: We'll have the answer to that. A new brain teaser and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast.
1: We sure will. And if you are enjoying this podcast, thank you for enjoying it. And if you feel so inclined, we would love it if you would share it around your next campfire. Or if you would pop over to Apple Podcast and leave us a five-star review But whatever you do, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We will see you next week. Keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody.